We're starting a new series entitled Lower the Volume. I'm going to invite you, whether on your Westover app or perhaps in your Bible, if you'll open that up, Romans chapter number 12. And we're going to begin to speak about issues in our culture right now. This message is very relevant to where every one of us live and work. Lower the volume. There is a level of hostility, anger, and just rage in our country today. From Washington, D.C. to the Washingtonia in Middle America. It seems like that uh, disagreements become fistfights. Crowds become mobs. There's a level of hostility. Our, our, our government can't seem to work caught in gridlock and polarized in debate all the time. But that's, that's throughout America. It just seems like today in our country, the tone is harsh. Words are sharp. Insults seem to be common. It seems to be everybody's throwing an elbow that, that tempers are boiling. People are on the edge. Parents are going to the school, pounding their fist on the desk of the teacher, and they haven't even heard the other side. It seems like anger goes from zero and spikes at ten just in a moment. Why are so many people ticked off? Why are so many people angry? Why is there this simmering hostility? People are insulting, cussing, griping, complaining, mad, road rage, hostility, workplace violence, hate speech. It seems to be what characterizes America today. So many people have what I call the middle finger mouth. I am so tired of hearing F-bombs spoken in common conversation. It just seems like we have a level of crudity today, of insult, of put-down, of bullying. It seems the string is about to snap. Home life for many are like, a, like cage fighting. It's, it's whoever lands the biggest and the best insult wins the day. Uh, recently, uh, parents were out shopping, getting school supplies. It, was made, it came on the evening news. Two parents were reaching for the last particular notebook, and both hands grabbed it at the same time, and it began a tug of war. Then one parent is pulling the hair of the other mom. And then it kept going on. And then all of a sudden, uh, Grandma brings out her pistol. She's got a license to carry. Leave that, and I want that notebook. Wow. I mean, we used to just have bad hair days, and now we have assault and battery at Walmart. Where is this coming from? Where is the hostility? My, my admonishment is we've got we to lower the volume. And for just a moment... I'm, I, I want to speak to one issue, and that is, that is racial strife in America today. Racial strife. Can I tell you that ethnic jokes, racial slurs, any kind of negative speech, prejudice on any type, on any level, insults the heart of God. The book of James tells us, chapter 3, that you cannot with your mouth praise God and then turn around with the same mouth and curse men that God has made. If you do so, verse number 6 says, your tongue is set on fire by hell. That's pretty graphic language, isn't it? 
that prejudice. If you diminish somebody else, your tongue is set on fire by hell. It is incompatible with people of faith. Prejudice is a sin. And it seems like it has got place in our society today. I will tell you, I have two son-in-laws that are Hispanic. If you have a problem with that, you've got a problem with God. You have a problem with God. Racism is a sin. But it seems like just debate and conflict is so prevalent in America today. We've heard the phrase, walk softly and carry a, a big stick. My message today is, speak softly and carry a big heart. Speak softly and carry a big heart. And I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. And we're going to let God's Word speak to us. We're going to let God's Word talk to us about what we should do. Now, we're going to look at verse number 17 through verse number 21. And as we read these verses, I want you to notice something. This is Scripture. There's, there's a mention of anyone and twice the mention of everyone. I want you to pay attention to that. So it's not selective. You don't do it just occasionally or to people you like. Anyone and everyone. And in the text, three times there's a do not statement. It's the do not of anger, annoyance, and abuse. When it comes to anger, annoyance, and abuse, God has instruction. And his word is, don't do it. Now here, let's read it, verse number 17 and following. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. God is telling us how we can and should live. And I just want to make you aware, somebody this week is going to annoy you. You're going to face anger. Somebody's going to lash out. Somebody's going to say something to your face, behind your back, maybe on social media. Something's going to come up this week. And our tendency is to fight fire with fire. But God says we can live different. And I want to admonish us that we would speak softly and carry a big heart. Last Sunday, a week ago today, I came to church early in the morning. I always come to church. Arrive about 5.45 this morning. I always come, go to the office, and just have a time to read Scripture and prayer and get my heart ready for the service that we're going to have. Well, last Sunday, I came parked on the other side of the student center in the gravel, walked across the parking lot, had my Bible in my hand. It's dark outside, and I'm coming into the church. <laughs> and right as I came to the west entrance, as I was coming to the door, about 15 feet away, as I got to the door, there was a skunk. Yeah. Yeah. And he turned to moon me. Yeah. Now you know where this thing can go, okay? You know where this thing can go. And I paused there for just a moment. Okay? Now let me just tell you, I had the right to be there. Yeah. I have the authority to be here. In fact, I carry the keys to that door. I have the right to exercise 
my prerogative to enter that door. How dare him block the way? He is the intruder. I am not. I have the right and the authority to be there. You know what? I could have just walked up and kicked him and sent him going down the parking lot. But how many of you know you can be right and still cause a stink? You with me? You with, you with me? Are you tracking with me right now? I had the right to enter the door. I had the right to be there. But I chose to use another door right there, okay? Yes. What am I saying? Every one of us, God says there's a different door you can enter. We don't have to speak like culture. We don't have to live in the rage and the hate and the insult and the anger and the hostility and the prejudice and the hate speech and the, the put-down and the bullying and the, all the junk that's going on and cussing and raging at everything. God says for every one of us, we can enter another door. And there are three ways to do it, and Scripture gave it to us this morning I read through. And I want to share with you three ways you can enter a new door. It can change your work environment. Tomorrow when you go to work, uh, this week, uh, you with people that are, are struggled, some of the irregular people in your life, a family member. Perhaps it's a, it's a teenager right now that you're just, you're just kind of butting heads and struggling and to get along with. Whatever relationships, whatever level the conflict, whether at home, work, or in society, people of faith, we can be different. We can walk through a different door. Three things I want to share with you. Number one is thoughts change our mind. A new thought will change your mind. The scripture tells us in verse number 17, let me just recap this. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Notice this next phrase, be careful to do what is in, what's right in the eyes of everyone. Notice that statement, be careful. This is, not a be, this is not a warning. This is not a beware kind of a statement. This, th this is teaching us something. It says, be careful. The word be careful in the Bible there, the word be careful in the original language actually has the idea, think it through very thoroughly. Think it through very thoroughly. You, somebody has wronged you, don't wrong them back. Somebody has insulted you. Somebody said something on social media. Somebody's treated you a certain way in the workplace. Think it through. Don't just react. Get a different thought. We normally, well, they treated me that way. I'll treat them. this. We fight fire with fire. We just go back and forth. And here's what God is saying. Walk through a different door. Have a new thought. And a new thought will give you a new mentality, a new way of looking at it, a new way of thinking. And God is saying right here, give it some thought. The average person, the average person, we spend probably more time deciding the lunch menu today, what we're going to order, as we do responding to some conflicts, firing back an email, replying to somebody, and just letting our temper spike. Yes, uh, we, we have made jumping to conclusion an Olympic sport. Yes, some of us have the gold medal in jumping to conclusion. You just look at the person. You say, I know they're mad. They're, they're talking to the boss. They're trying to get back at me. That person, they're always doing something conniving. And we're distrusting and we're criticizing and we're defensive because we're always jumping to a conclusion. Thoughts, thoughts are doors. Talking about enter a new door. Thoughts are doors that opinions and issues can enter our life. 
be careful what door you open. If, if we just get into uh, uh, being cynical and judgmental, guess what? A lot of negative stuff walks in and we carry it around. And no wonder we're upset and we're angry and we're, we're reacting all the time. And God is saying, you think it through. Be careful. It's, they may have done. They may have said. They may not have said. Don't jump to conclusion. But even if they've done that, guess what? Think it through because you just may be harming yourself. Think it through very carefully. Let me, let me give all of us some, some great spiritual advice. Don't predict a bad moment. Don't predict a bad day. We all have this language. We all, we all self-included, we do this. We, we, we think about what we're going to do through the day, and we add the word hate to it. You know what? I just, I just hate driving on 151 when we get to 410. I, I just hate drive, going through the drive through at that restaurant. I, I hate how people drive down the road. I just hate the fact that people are texting when they're driving and then at the stop sign. And I could have got through that green light if they hadn't just paused a little bit. I just, and some of us feel like we are God's agent that we are supposed to name all the people who are texting while they're driving. And they know it's against the law and we're praying prayers. You know what? It'd do them good if they just have a wreck and they just go off the road. And we're, we're thinking all of this ugly stuff. Yes, and we get, why? Thoughts create a mentality. And some of us, were caught in that. We're just all the time. You know what? I hate the fact that we have to do this. I, I hate eating there. I hate being with them. I hate working next to them. I hate sitting in that chair. I hate parking in that parking spot. I hate having to, I hate having to go in early. I hate having to stay late. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. And we go through it. And we're predicting the day by adding the word hate to something we're about to do through the day. Let me just say real quickly, don't get on the gripe train. The gripe train will take you to a city called bad mood. The gripe train always goes to bad mood. And many of us live in frown town. Yeah. And in frown town, people eat in a bad mood, work in a bad mood, live in a bad mood, function in a bad mood. They have a bad marriage. They have friends they don't like. In a bad mood, everything happens and everything turns sour in frown town. But God is saying we can and we should be different. And the scripture says don't repay. But you don't understand, Pastor, what they did and said. Don't repay. Because if you think they did, then you do. And you, you got an insult and you give a double insult back. And then they bring defensiveness, and then you bring anger, and you bring, they bring accusation. Then you get mad, and they bring rage, and it just goes back and forth. And it's never productive. God says we can go through a different door. In fact, Scripture tells us in James chapter 1, verse number 20, this is for every worker, every employee, every family member, every father, every mother, every spouse. Here it is. Here it is. James 1.20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger will never solve the problem. Anger will always steal your happiness. Anger never makes it right. And there is something God's teaching us and people of faith, let's get this. Sometimes when we feel like we're on the right side of a moral issue or an ethical issue or a workplace and we know we're right in the matter and perhaps many times we are. 
The moment we go into anger, it doesn't matter, even if we're right. God says, anger never produces the righteousness of God. You can do the right thing in the home, but if you scream at your teenager, you've lost. You can be right at work, but if you get angry and send that sarcastic email, can I tell you, you've lost the high ground. The anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. I can never validate how I'm doing it because I'm doing it for, for the right reason. God says you can do it. You can be in the right stance politically. But if you speak out demagoguery and speak and, and insult people, God says, then you have invalidated your position. The anger of man never produces the righteousness of God because anger always justifies unhealthy choices. That's right. The moment, the moment we're angry, it justifies us going out and drinking. It justifies us yelling at our kids. It justifies us being rude to people. It justifies us emotionally treating our spouse the wrong way. It justifies emotional withdrawal from the relationship. It, it justifies a lot of unhealthy stuff that God says you shouldn't do. So what does he say do? Don't, don't repay. And before you do anything, change your thought and you'll change your mind. Be careful. Think it through. Number two. Number two. How to open a new door. Actions change the heart. Actions will change your heart. Thinking, a thought will change your mind, but an action will change your heart. Notice verse number 20. If your enemy is hungry, then feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink with strychnine in it. Okay? No, no, it does not say that. Yeah, you feel that. You feel it in the blank when you, yeah. No, it does not say that. Your enemy, not, it's easy for me to give my friends something to eat. It's easy for me to give my friends something to drink. But the Bible says our enemy, our enemy, if he's hungry, I'm to feed. If he is thirsty, I'm to give him something to drink. What's God saying? Your actions will change the heart. And get this, this will happen. You give good into it. You say, wait a minute, I did that, Pastor, and it didn't change their heart. Sometimes... The good will not change their heart, but it will always change our heart. There's the, there's the wind. It'll change our heart. God deals in our heart, and God honors that. I don't know if you know this, but there is, there's a new app that came out this year. It's called the Nothing App. Yes. It doesn't even have an icon. It just has a black place on your, your, your device. And guess what the Nothing app does? It does nothing. Yeah. Can you believe it? I could have come up with that idea. 99 cents. You can get the Nothing app. But guess what? For people who are rich and don't want to be below and pay just 99, they have one for rich people for $400, and it does nothing too. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, I was reading this, and I, yeah, I can't believe this. I mean, wow. I wonder if some of us have downloaded the Nothing app. Because here's what we do as people of faith. In the workplace, guess what? We've excused ourselves. We do nothing. Yeah, we think that when debate is going on and argument and 
online stuff and, and stuff in the lunchroom and etc. to do nothing. In the home, some of us have shut down. We don't communicate. We don't try to fix. We won't go to counseling. We won't make it right. Guess what? We do nothing. And we think nothing is the right thing to do. We have justified we're not doing wrong. We're just doing nothing. Scripture doesn't allow me to do that. The Bible says my actions must get engaged. If it's an enemy, if it's an enemy, if they want something to drink, I'm to give them something to drink. If they are hungry, I am to give them something to eat. God does not excuse inaction. God says our actions will change heart. And with that in mind, for just a moment, I'm going to apply this to speech, talk, conversation. Do you know words are actions? Yeah. Words are actions. Things we say. Things we communicate. Words are actions. An untrue statement we heard growing up. A little rhyme we heard growing up. The most untrue statement you were ever told or taught as a child. I will guarantee it. Unequivocally, it's this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. Wrong. Because I tell you what, pastoring, I cannot tell you how many times somebody has stepped into my office and they have recounted something that happened six days ago, six months ago, six years ago, and sometimes decades ago. And they will go back decades. And I've had them recount that. I've had them tell me in moments of choking, tears, and great hurt and great pain. And they will tell me details decades ago. They remember what the person was wearing. They remember where they were at. They remember the moment it happened. They remember what they were wearing. They remember the day of the word, the comment that came. They can recount it just verbatim. They know it. Every spouse knows that when they came, they come in and they realize that their spouse has done something and is walking out on them and said, I don't love you anymore. They freeze. That moment is for in their mind forever. It is something that just wounds them. And that phrase, I don't love you anymore, is like a brand in their spirit. It's like a, a wound. It's a laceration in their heart. They carry that. Can I tell you, they would rather somebody hit them with a stick or throw a stone than to hurl those words against them. Words hurt. Words wound. The Bible tells us a gentle answer will turn away wrath. Words, words have a way of wounding the deepest part of who we are. Let me talk about two kinds of people real quickly under words. These are, one is wrecking ball people and one are grenade throwers. Yeah. You put a face to both of those, didn't you? Yeah. Some of you, some of you work with a grenade thrower. They can just walk in and they can say something and they can just leave carnage and damage and, and collateral damage in people's minds. People can work hard and they can just throw out something that can just destroy the morale of the workplace. They're grenade throwers. Insults, put-downs, bullying, sarcasm, whatever the case may be. And then they're the wrecking ball persons. This is the person that swings their opinion. And they're sometimes saying, you know what, I'm just being truthful. And they put it, I'm just a truthful person. 
and they use the, 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 the excuse of being truthful to hurl insults and put people down, mow people down, and tell you what, God's not in that. God doesn't want that. God says, that's not how we do it. Our actions, our actions can change hearts, or our actions, what we speak, speaking is an action, can devastate. For a moment, let me just talk about, if I can, social media. It's just so common today to get on social media, Facebook, you hear a friend was done wrong by a business or somebody. You don't even know the facts to get on it and just rage against it. Can I tell you, Scripture doesn't give us that permission to do that. We're being judgmental. We don't have the right to do that. We don't, don't just jump on the bandwagon of complaint and insult on social media. I, I, I've looked at some of those uh, reviews. Go to the restaurant. Five star. Best best meal I ever had. The next one. One star. Worst restaurant. I'll never go back. And I always wonder, what mood did that guy go in? Yeah. This guy, this guy, he went on payday with his wife. The second guy probably had to take his mother-in-law. I, I, don't, I don't know. He went in a bad mood. Went in a bad mood. But now they spewed it out there. And Scripture says we don't do, we don't do that. We're people of faith. We, we walk and talk different. And for a moment, I want every Christ follower in this room. I, as we go into communion, I'm going to ask every Christ follower in this room to make a commitment to God today. Make a commitment to God in the communion elements when we take them in a moment. I want you to promise and make a vow to God. Don't tell, don't tell God, I'm going to try my best. I don't want that. I don't want you to try your best. I don't want you to work on it. I want you to make a vow before God today, today, that there's not going to be any F-bomb spoken by you ever again. I want to ask every man, woman, every adult in this audience to get rid of the bathroom language in conversation. What do I mean? Stuff that happens in the bathroom should not be adjectives we use in conversation about life, people, and situations. We hear it all day long. We hear it all day long. And you know what I'm talking about. If it happens in the bathroom, that shouldn't be adjectives I use to describe my opinion of people, others, situations, or life. And I'm asking every Christ follower in this room to make the commitment to God today, a vow to the Lord, never to do it again. You say, but I don't mean anything by it. I don't. I don't mean it. I just the way I am. And God wants to change the way we are. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29, let no foul or abusive language come out of your mouth. But pastor, I got a question. What if they say it to me first? Do I have the permission then? No. And it's not me saying it, it's this book. If your enemy, if your enemy does you wrong, you do them good. 
And that brings me to my last point today and the third one, right before we go into communion. And it's this. It's found in verse number 21. Overcome wrong by doing what is right. Overcome the wrong by doing what is right. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a a spiritual law in the Bible. It's known as the law of reversibility. What is the law of reversibility? The law of reversibility says that enough good and right can displace the wrong and the bad. The law of reversibility. Jesus referenced the law of reversibility when he said the first will be last and the last will be first. That's the law of reversibility. The law of reversibility says you get by giving. So it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. Somebody does you wrong, you double up your fist and you hit them. That's what I was taught. No, Jesus said you turn the other cheek. Guess what? And you win. The law of reversibility. The law of reversibility is here in Romans 12 and 21. It says right there, it's teaching us. When, when evil comes, you do not fight fire with fire. You don't do that. Guess what? You just make the situation worse. You drive a wedge in the family. God says you can turn it around. Even when you're done wrong, always do right. The law of reversibility says good and righteousness will displace wrong and bad. And the scripture invites us to be people like that. And I'm going to invite every one of us to do that. The law of reversibility. What does that mean? That means even if in the workplace somebody goes on social media and says something or whispers behind your back or tries to do something, you do good. Don't do nothing. Do good. Don't try to win by getting back at them. Always do what is right. Be an example for Jesus in the workplace. That means in the home, don't bring your bad mood. Don't, guys, let's don't, let's don't hold it together through the week and at the job and come home and kind of hit the relax button and we can just vent at home. And they need to just understand that's who we are and we've had a tough day. The Bible doesn't give me time off being a Christ follower. I come home and i got to minister to my family with my speech. I'm not allowed to use abusive language. I don't use in the home the word idiot, stupid, Neanderthal, or whatever, vulgar word. I'm, I, don't, I, I don't ever want my kids to have one memory of me ever demeaning them with an insulting and abusing word. I want them to have always remembered that, that dad praised them, dad prayed for them, dad spoke dream into them. Never do I ever remember my dad ever demeaning me in any way. That's the legacy I want to give them. And I call every parent to that. I call every husband. I call every wife to that. Your language in the home. I'm asking you to get rid of all the bathroom language. And in an audience this size, no doubt there's many of us that do that frequently. It's just common. It's so common. But I want you to let it grieve your heart when you hear it and you determine it'll never come out of my mouth. I'm asking you to never get involved in racial jokes and racial slurs again. You can't praise God and then curse people that God has made. You can't do that. 
I'm calling us to be different. When there's conversation around about what's happening in Washington, don't get on the gripe train. Don't do that. People ask you, what, what do you think about the president? Here's what I say. I pray for him. But I said the same thing when President Barack Obama, and I'm not going to insult my former president, and I'm not going to insult this president. I'm going to pray for him. Yes. I'm calling us as people of faith to lower the volume and be different. There are, there are blended families here. There's blended families here, and there's a parent in a blended family, a stepdad and stepmom, and you've done right in that home, and you've tried to be the best example. You've paid insurance, and you've taken, and you've bought clothes, and maybe you've done, and you've gone the second mile, and you feel disrespected by that stepchild, that stepson, stepdaughter, and you've been tempted to say, no more, I'm, I'm cutting them off, I'm tired, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to withdraw from them, and I'm going to go into a shell, I, I just won't do it anymore. There's something about that that I just don't think the heart of God agrees with when you say of that stepson or stepdaughter, that's all and I won't do anymore. I know you've given and I know you've done, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to keep giving. Yes, they're not your enemy, but the scripture says, even if it was an enemy, feed them or give them to drink. Always respond with kindness. The coworker, some people in here, you have been done wrong and stabbed in the back by a coworker. You're going to have to forgive it. You can't let it be in your spirit. But it was done wrong, Pastor. I was right and I was, I was, I was stabbed in the back. Let me tell you what Scripture says. You leave room for God to avenge. God will take. Can I tell you, God can promote somebody from the top to the bottom in a blink of an eye. You give that to God. All you've got to do is do right by God. Do right by God. Let, in God's eye, do what is right. God will take care of them, and He'll take care of you in the process. He'll take care of you. I'm calling Westover family. I'm calling our Westover people lower the volume to walk softly and carry a big heart so would you stand together with me as we move into communion these elements that I hold right here before we pray I want to remind us this wafer represents the broken body of Jesus this cup symbolic of the blood of Jesus it points to the cross. There's a moment on the cross. Jesus was brutalized, abused. If there was anyone that, that received the scorn, the unfair treatment in life by humanity or somebody, it was Jesus. And with holes in his hands, which these elements represent, here's what he said. Father, forgive them. That's the level I call us to. I'm going to ask you to forgive and walk away from some hurt and some anger and let God give you a new heart. Thoughts will change your mind. Actions will change your heart. And do right even if you've been done wrong. Let's pray. Father, 
as I hold these elements, I sense in a very, in a very personal way, you're inventorying our hearts. Every one of us are in a, in a culture, in a world today where it's just, it's acceptable to be angry and to be ugly and vicious, retaliatory, bullying, put down, hate speeches everywhere. God, we just cannot be a part of that. And if we're not careful, we can just get kind of sucked into it unintentionally. But your spirit calls us to be different. And I'm calling your people to be different. I'm calling people to cleanse their conversation, change their attitude, change how they react to situations. Lord, to give new thoughts to, to not spend the rest of this afternoon sharpening themselves for the battleground of Monday morning conflict at work. But God, to give us a new heart. Begin it in us today. That we would take on the nature of Jesus. That we would take on the heart of Jesus. God, forgive us, self-included. We've all done it. We've all just chimed in. And Lord, I... I just don't want to carry that in my heart. And we've got to be different today. So I bless these elements, and I call your people into a moment of commitment. I call your people into a moment of reflection. And would you right now, as your eyes are closed, would you take 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and just let God personalize it. There's something in this service God spoke to you. He personalized to you something that you can and need to do different. Whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit has touched it, just say, yes, God, I will. And now, Lord, as we take communion, we do with hearts submitted to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This bread represents his broken body. Join me and take together in the name of the Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Amen. This cup, it, it's symbolic of his blood that cleanses. We're reminded of what Jesus did. Let's take it in the name of the Lord. Father, I just bless your people. I just bless them, Lord, as they're going to go to their assignments through the week, school, work, family. Lord, in the name of Jesus, just, just be with them. In the name of Jesus, be with them. Let us walk out as, as, as instruments of light, just the ability in a, in a dark world tomorrow, in a dark places, and where the negative and the, the hate is raging, to just let the love of Jesus and the, the calmness of the Holy Spirit be upon us. I pray that for your people, and I speak that over them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord.